Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, Ben, thanks very much. Morning, church. It's so great to be able to welcome you this morning to Gateway Online. Uh, as, as Jason mentioned earlier, we're in the end of a series called No Other Name. We are looking at the name Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. And I've got a real sense in my heart that this morning the love of God and the power of God is going to come and minister to many of us as we open his word this morning and as his word lays hold of our heart. I believe the spirit of God is going to move even though, of course, we're not together. But in the living rooms, lounge rooms, wherever you're listening to today, my faith is that God will touch you and release you and heal you by the power of His Spirit. Can we just pray before we open the Word? Father, this morning, we know that wherever we are, God, You're there in our midst. Father, we know that You are the God that is with us. We've seen that, Lord. We've seen Your work. We've seen Your hand. We've seen the miracle power of God in our own lives. But through lots of history, as You've moved amongst us, God, this morning, I just pray that by Your Spirit, You would touch need. God, where there are people that have needs this morning that they're offering up to You, Father, by your spirit, would you begin to minister to them now, touch them and help them, Father, as we all do life together. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd like to take you back this morning to the banks of the Red Sea. At the banks of the Red Sea, there is a party going on, the greatest party the children of Israel had ever thrown in 400 years. You see, they stood on the banks and they'd watched the Egyptian army be completely annihilated by the waters of the Red Sea as they'd come back and covered them over. The horse and the rider had been thrown into the sea. Moses was singing, Miriam was singing and dancing, and it was an incredible party. They had come out of slavery, their pursuers, their tyrants, the ones that had lorded it over them for 400 years had now been defeated. And they were now standing on the safe side of the banks of the, of the river, of the, of the Red Sea, and they were free. Free physically now from the torture and shame of being a slave. And no wonder they danced. No wonder in 400 years, this was probably one of the greatest parties that they had ever, ever seen. They were about to embark on a journey to the promised land. And even though they were physically set free by God, they realised now that they were about to embark on a journey they'd never been on before. I don't know whether you'd ever been there in this place in your own life where you have a sense sometimes of the freedom that might be possible for you. But right now you feel stuck. Right now you feel like you can't move out of the place that you're in. But somewhere inside, deep inside, you know you're born for more. You know there's something more on the inside that wants to get out, wants to express itself. There's something inside that you know that God has whispered to you and you say, tomorrow can be better. My future, the place that I am today is not the measure of who I am but God has got more for me. I reckon that would have been the lament of the children of Israel. They would have been in slavery in Egypt and watched countless times as they'd watched the Egyptians walk around in freedom of choice to do what they like, when they wanted, with whom they wanted and thought enviously, I'd like that to be me. And so we see them now, they've had this celebration. They've got to the end of this wonderful party as they felt free and they then begin their journey from the Red Sea and into the wilderness. We're going to pick up the story, if you turn with me, with Exodus 
chapter 15 and verse 22. We're going to read together. The scriptures should come up on the screen for you. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And when they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now the Bible says that the people complained against Moses. How many times have we read that phrase as we've read the story of the children of Israel? I think sometimes we've been a bit too quick to throw them under the bus. Because, yeah, there are people that saw miracles. I mean, the plagues that went through Egypt that actually resulted in their freedom. The Red Sea where they saw this incredible wall of water. They walked in between it and they were set free. They had a cloud that they followed by night, a pillar of fire that was there. Actually, the other way around. The cloud was by day and the pillar of fire was by night. You know, they saw the, the hand of the Lord descend on the mountain of the Lord and, and mighty and terrible displays of the power and glory of God was there. I mean, manna from heaven, waters out of rock. I mean, what an incredible picture we have of the miracle hand of God. And it's easy for us in the 21st century to sit back in our armchairs and say, yeah, well, uh, you know, if I'd seen that many miracles, I don't think I would have complained. But the reality is there's something on the inside of these slaves that was yet to be healed. They desperately needed healing and God knew it. And even though physically they'd come out away from their captors, they really hadn't become internally healed on the inside. They were slaves that bore the scars of 400 years of slavery. And those scars weren't just physical, they were mental, they were spiritual, they were emotional. You know, if you're a slave... You live your life with broken promises because it's no big deal to break your promise to a slave. You, you say you're going to do something, you change your mind, you tell the slave, the slave's job is to just get on with it. If they were given an explanation or an apology, it would be a, a rarity. The challenge is that as you live your life in that repetitious place of broken promises, you live your life in disappointment. And after a while, disappointment leads to distrust and anger towards authority. Slaves would be very good at, you know, bowing and scraping to their masters and appearing to have the right face on, but in their heart, they'd be raging in anger at the at these conditions that they find themselves in. After a period of time, disappointment wears a, a hole in your soul and it becomes bitterness. And so when you're bitter... It's this deep root inside that's hard to be free from. Something on the inside is always interpreting the things around you through the eyes of bitterness. I have been wronged. I, I, I blame others for what's happened to me. I'm holding on to my grudges. I've got a, a long memory. I resent my circumstances. It's not my fault, but it's somebody else's fault. And so we begin to see a people after 400 years that have actually got some deep issues inside as they start walking 
those first three days into the wilderness. You know, I think bitterness is probably one of the most unhealthiest emotions that we can have as human beings. Bitterness dwells on the injustice of our past. Bitterness focuses on our hurt. It rehearses our hurt. It's living out of anger, frustration, and it always needs someone to blame. Bitterness is an exhausting way to live, but bitterness is the constant companion of a slave. Physical freedom doesn't guarantee inner freedom. There are many threats. There are many things to fear. When you're a slave, there's so many things that are out of your control. You have no really power over it. And so who do you trust? Really, there's no one I can trust. It's only me that I can really trust because everybody else will let me down. And that includes God. And so God's priority wasn't just their physical freedom achieved at the Red Sea. God's desire was to be the God that heals them. God wanted to see them whole physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And folks, can I say today, that's what He wants for you. God's desire is that you would be whole. Whatever you've been through, whatever your past may have been, whatever challenges, whatever things have been done to you in your past that's wrong, there might be many reasons why you could blame those people. There might be many reasons why your grudge, you have many reasons to hang on to them. But can I tell you, the root of bitterness that wants to get hold of your soul is a poison root. And this morning, my prayer is that God will help you. You know, since the Garden of Eden, God has been trying to heal our hearts. And God has been asking one simple question. Will you love me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength? Jesus restated that same commandment as well. And so... It's a, it's a message that God has been sending from heaven to earth right from the beginning. Sadly, in Moses' time, if we, if we play the story out, which we don't have time to fully do, but we see that when they finally got to the edge of the promised land, they were really unable to get rid of the slave that was inside them. When the spies went into the land and they saw the giants that were there, they came back and said, the giants are big and we are grasshoppers in our own sight. In other words, we are small. I don't care how big you say God is, I can't see how God with us can defeat those giants. And their unbelief, their, their bitterness, their slavery, the things that have held them in prison ultimately didn't let them go into the promised land. You know, I, I think sometimes their problem is our problem too. God has a promise for you. God has a calling for you. God has a future and a hope for you. And it's always bigger than what we can imagine because He's God. But sometimes we come to God with that and because unless we're able to free our hearts and say, God, I trust you. I, I, don't, I won't understand every turn in the road. I won't know everything that's going to happen and, and I won't understand everything. And I've got to be happy to live between the revelation that you give me and the mystery of the unsolved answers that I might never understand. If we can be willing to do that, that's what faith starts to look like. That's what it starts to look like when you get free inside and it's no longer about me and how I'm, I'm in trouble and what, what do I need and what have I got to protect and what am I afraid of? No, no, this is the call of God now that starts to call us out from that slavery. My question is this. Of all the questions God could ask us, why does he ask this one question? Will you love me with all of your heart, mind, soul and strength? He is the infinite God. He knows the keys to our life on earth here. He created us. 
He knows the end from the beginning. He has perfect foreknowledge about all the things, all the words, all the phrases he could possibly ask you. This whole book, if you could summarize the whole thing, it's only one question that God says to us. He says, will you love me? Will you love me with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength? Love has been legislated by God. In, in a world full of thou shalt nots, God has actually legislated thou shall. He's not focused on the thou shalt nots. Folks, this morning he's focused on the thou shall. And he knows these simple commands will free us from slavery if we can just release our fear and bitterness enough to be able to walk towards him. God knows that where our heart is, where our love is, that's where our treasure will be. God knows that if we can love Him, we can begin to move away from the selfishness that's so welded to our core. Our treasure speaks about our future and our hope. It's the thing we put our trust in. It's our fortress. It's, our, it's the thing that tomorrow we will help solve our problems. It's the thing that will get us out of a jam. It's the, it's the reserve that's behind us. It's, it's the stuff we've collected by the works of our hand. And when that is our treasure, if, when that's where our heart is, when, when that's where our love is, we'll constantly wonder if we're making the right choice. We'll constantly second guess ourselves because we can never really be sure that the road we're walking is the right road. Proverbs 14 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. In other words, we begin to realise as we make our own choices, as we live according to our own storehouse, our own treasures that we build up, that as we walk a little bit further down the road, there are actually so many things we can't control. There are so many things that are outside of our grasp and we become afraid and we draw back and we move away from God. See, God has a different idea of what love really is. You know, for those parents that are out there today, you'll know that when your children were little, you know, four or five, and you said to them, did you know that daddy really loves you? They'd say, yeah, daddy, and I love you too. And that, that's great. We'd love to hear that. There's never a, never a time you wouldn't want to hear that. But the reality is when we were saying that we love our kids, the depth of our understanding, the intensity of our emotions, our thoughts, the complexity of our language, what we were intending with our words is far and beyond when our kids turn around and say, yeah, Dad, I love you too. Of course, as they grow older and bigger and wiser and those words are still coming out of their mouth, what a blessing that is. What a blessing it is because we know that there is a greater depth of understanding and their love is actually built now on something so much stronger and so much wider. God knows that his type of love is what heals us. Not Hollywood's type of love, not media's type of love, not magazines or romance novels or anything else you could possibly look at. It's God's kind of love. And the honest truth is, it's not the kind of love you see anywhere else. God's love and our participation in God's love, that's what heals us. God's love always moves towards the other. God's love is always moving away from himself and towards the other, whether it's in the relationship of Father, Son and Spirit or whether it's in the relationship between God and humankind, God is always moving towards the other. And he knows that as we participate in a love that moves away from our selfishness, 
that we actually put to death the slave that's inside us. We actually put the orphan, the person that's afraid, that's bitter, that's drawn back from life, that's drawn back from the dreams and the hope that God has promised us, that person, that's the one that gets put to death and we become alive again. Not just life, but life more abundantly. Love heals us. Love puts selfishness to death. Perfect love casts out fear. It chases away the self-centred pivot point inside our lives. Love demands that we forgive others. It's why forgiveness is such an important part of the message of the gospel. Because forgiveness is all about me moving towards the other without blame, without trying to bring judgment, without trying to ask for compensation but I move towards them sacrificially. Whatever it costs is what forgiveness is all about. God endorses forgiveness in our lives. Love violently forces selfishness out of our being. Why? Because God knows what selfishness does to us. God knows, we, we think it's protecting us. We think selfishness is putting up the barriers and making sure we're protected and allowing us to be on the defensive if we need to, to combat anybody that's coming to take from us, but actually God says, no, it'll kill your life. That stance is not healthy. And so in the children of Israel, in their story, as we go back there, we see that God, to heal the bitter waters of Marah, as they complained before the Lord God Almighty and Moses took their complaint to God, God demonstrates his love by placing a tree in the centre of their bitterness. Let's read it together, Exodus 15, verse 24. And the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Church, 1400 years later, another tree has been cast into the middle of humanity. It's a tree that also has the power today to heal our bitter waters. It's a tree that has the power to set our minds free, to set our emotions free, to reconcile our hearts to God. It has a power to heal your bodies. It has the power in wholeness to bring you back to your Father in heaven and restore that loving relationship. I love what Galatians 3 and verse 13 says in the Passion Translation. Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed it completely as he became a curse in our place. For it's written, everyone who is hung upon a tree is doubly cursed. Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place and in so doing dissolved the curse from our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon even non-Jewish believers. And now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us when we believe in him. God has always had a plan for the healing of humankind. He planted a tree in the centre of our pain and suffering and he joined us in that pain and suffering. He has shown us what perfect love looks like as he comes from heaven, he walks on earth, he takes on human form, he dies a cruel and rugged death on the cross of Calvary. He rises again into new life and he says to us, I love you. That's what love looks like. Now come and participate in this action of love with me. Just as he promised the children of Israel today, he is promising us, I am the Lord that heals you. 
When Isaiah prophesied about this tree, the tree of Calvary, he said these incredible words in Isaiah 53, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. That's the God. That's the God who placed the tree accessible to you. The God who places the tree that heals the bitter waters and brings you back to himself. You know, I, I love a song that's been revolving around the world right now. And the globe has embraced this song. It's been uh, written out of a church in the United States called the Elevation Church. And uh, you might have seen it on YouTube. We sang it on Mother's Day so beautifully. I just loved how all the ladies came together and sang that song. I just want to read the words to you for a minute. The band are going to begin to, to play it and we're going to sing it in a minute. But let me just read the words to you for a minute. It says in the verse, The Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. May His favour be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. Amen. This is the priestly blessing that God gave to Moses to be spoken by the priests of Israel over the nation. What's really important to understand is this. This is not human beings creating words that we put in our mouth glibly. This is the God of heaven who strictly said to the priests, this are the blessing that you will say. Don't change the words, don't change the order. Do it exactly as it's written and proclaim this blessing over the people. These words come from the Lord Himself. We're not asking God, would you bless the earth? Church, it's really important you understand the prophetic significance of this song. And in my heart, why I believe God has put this song in the earth at this time. It's not coincidence that people have written something to remind us. These are the words of heaven being spoken right now into the globe where God is speaking to the earth His will. And what He asks us to do is say, Amen. Something powerful happens between heaven and earth. When heaven speaks and earth says, Amen, something happens. That's what faith looks like, church. Faith looks like a people who hear the voice of God, who understand the prophetic significance of the season and shout, Amen, back to the Father as God's power moves. This morning, wherever you are listening to this service, can I ask you this? Let your heart of faith rise this morning. Let the amen that's in this song become your amen for your healing and your deliverance. If you have a need from the Holy God today, let this amen be your prayer. Let's sing it together.
and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, Lord, turn his face toward you, and give you peace. His favor be upon you in a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, their children and their children his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children in a minute for those that have needs. And I just want, if that's you this morning and you're sitting in your lounge room and you say, oh, I have some needs, I need God to break through in my life. Just hold one minute. We're going to pray for you in a minute. But I'd like to speak to those this morning who you've never had a relationship with God. 
or maybe it's been a long time since you've ever really connected with God. Can I persuade you this morning, God loves you so much. God has no barriers between you connecting with Him this morning and coming back into a loving relationship with Him. Or if you've never ever connected with God, God wants to be in relationship with you this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something really simple to initiate that relationship. Simply just pray this prayer. It's going to come up on the screen in a minute. I'm going to read it, pray it with you. I'm going to get you to pray it in your heart with me as well. And as we do that together, let your heart open to God and allow His presence to minister to you this morning as we pray. Let's do that. Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I turn from everything that I know is wrong and choose to follow you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and promise me new life. Please come into my life so that I can know your power and grace forever. Amen. If you said that prayer this morning in your heart, can I encourage you, go to our prayer button right now and click on it. Someone is waiting in there to be able to pray with you. There are some next steps you could take to help you grow in your understanding of who God is and what your purpose is on this life. And there's some people in there that could really help you with that process. So I encourage you, go there as soon as you can. They would love to be able to connect with you. For those of who need prayer this morning and you say, I have need in my life. I want the miracle power that, to, to touch my life. I know that I need to release people. I need forgiveness. I need bitterness to leave. I, you know, there are challenges that I've had in my world that if I could just lay them down, I know I would be free. Whatever it might be, mental, emotional, spiritual or physical, this morning, God's desire is to heal you. So I encourage you right now, let's just pray together. Why don't you lift up that thing before God right now as, as your petition, as your request, as we pray. Father, we thank You that You are the God of salvation. You are the God of sozo. You are the God that wants complete and total and utter healing for our lives. And God, Your hand is able to extend into every life, wherever they are right now, under the sound of my voice. And the power of God, God can come and touch and minister to us. Father, we thank You for the way You've met with us in times past. And this morning, we ask again for a fresh outpouring of Your Spirit upon people's lives, that God, Your healing power would begin to move, that You'd help people pass the blockages. God, You'd connect them up divinely with the right people that could help them. Father, that where there's physical need, Father, let the power of God right now come and set them free. Wherever they're seated, whatever they're doing, God, You're able to meet that need and God, we join our faith together in Jesus' Name. And we thank You, You are the God that hears our prayer for You are the Lord, our healer. In Jesus' Name we all pray, Amen. Hey, thank you for being with us this morning at Gateway Online. It's always a pleasure and a privilege to be invited into your home. We look forward to being back with you next Sunday morning. Please come and be, join that with us as we sing and worship together. The Lord bless you this week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know. 